No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know any vocal exercises. Damn it. Casey, I know that we're live. Watermelon, just, watermelon, uh, watermelon, watermelon. Here's the thing about starting the Birchcast. Yeah. At this point, I think that us duffing the beginning of the Birchcast is like, it makes the viewer feel, the viewer, the listener feel at home. Yeah. Uh, it, it makes our producer, Jorge, so happy. I just think, look, you're a person in probably America, although yeah. we have strong international listenership as well. So you're a person of the world. You're a citizen sure. of this earth. He's a man about town. Uh, you've got your headphones in, you got your car stereo on, you're in the bathroom, I don't know, wherever you are, the speakers are blaring, mm-hmm. and there are either tiny speakers in your ears or bigger speakers around you, uh, surrounding your body. Right. Made by Ben and you're, Yeah. Yeah, you're a perfect Swiss man yeah. in your house, and you've got those awesome Bang and Olufsen speakers, you're sitting on a perfect leather cube sofa mm-hmm. uh, your vape is heating mm-hmm. because you're about to vape the most perfect marijuana ever created by man Mm-mm. in Switzerland and you're like I'm going to start my show and the uh, you first say thing it, you hear you say it in Swiss of course yeah. uh, which I don't speak um, but in your mind imagine that you're Swiss and you, um, you, you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and you start it and then you hear me just blow the Swiss, it. Does Swiss speak German or French? I don't know. Whatever they speak. Uh, I've been vaping a perfect joint all afternoon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mean uh, and you're like, and you hear me blow it. Mm-hmm. And that is finally when your veneer of perfection fades away and the pressure of being a perfect Swiss man just melts. And you're like, you know what? I'm home now. I can be a real person. Right. And your couch reveals itself not as a perfect cube, but as a dumpy brown leather sofa. Mm-hmm. And it's three in the morning. You've got a half, half box of dominoes. And you're like, you know what? I'm home now. I just wish we, you could have given us some more details on that scenario so we really could have pictured it. <laughs> but I'll try to make do with what you yeah. described. That was basically uh, how I think my life should go. Neil <laughs> like, just wants to be a Swiss man. Uh, I don't know that I want to be Swiss. I think that I want to live a life of, like, complete angular perfection. But if you know me enough, underneath it is just roiling chaos. And you're like, how does he do it? <laughs> this is the Vergecast. <laughs> That's great. Anyway, look, it's a day in uh, October now. Uh, September has faded away. Mm. Now is October. Yeah. Everyone's Twitter handles are stupid because of Halloween. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, um, please, God, no. Uh, you're better and, than that. And I will say that we've had... Just a ridiculous week. Uh, so I'm Neil Patel. Casey Newton is here for some reason. Nice to be here. Uh, just He just showed up. Thought I would see what y'all do uh, out here. Dieter Bone Hi. is here with me. Hello. Uh, and in a hype seat, Kirsten Fristina. Oh, you pronounced it right. Uh, I, actually, I was pronounced it right. He said retconning the past four episodes <laughs> of the show. <laughs> uh, no, we've had a ridiculous week. So Casey's in town because uh, there was a Google event. There was a Twitter yeah. thing. Uh, Dieter and I went to, to the big Microsoft hardware event. Uh, Kirsten ran in the office tweeting furiously. Uh, what else happened? We scoped. Oh, we scoped. Uh, we saw the Steve Jobs movie last night. Yeah. Uh, I interviewed Sorkin and, and Danny Boyle. And Sachin Adela. <laughs> interviewed Sachin Adela. Just so much stuff. Wild. Wild week on The Verge. Uh, and one of those weeks, it's like, this is why The Verge exists. Yeah. Follows prime time for TheVerge.com. Yeah. Don't yeah. sleep on it. Yeah. Check it multiple times a day. Everyone's very busy. Uh, no one has time to go home and vape their perfect weed cigarettes. That's why we just fantasize about it for the first 20 minutes of every Verge cast now. What, what, what must it be like to relax from time to time? 
Yeah. Uh, we seriously, we tried to have a drink last night after the Steve Jobs screening, and all of us like, you know what? We have busy day tomorrow. We're going home. Yep. It's true. It's, it's the like, earliest it the work. Verge crew has ever gone home. Yeah, but tonight. Tonight? Tonight, tonight I, party. the walls I, are coming I down. Go. I got to work tomorrow. <laughs> it's awful. Here's the thing about uh, a million tech products getting uh, unveiled in September and October. Then they get released. And then Dieter yeah. never and sleeps again. And then there again. has to be work to be done with them. Yeah. I mean, it's that's coming. what you say. I mean, you know, let's just, I think you can just say at a very high level, some new squares of glass will be released. Uh, <laughs> touching, them, touching them with your fingers will enable certain, uh, you know, features and capabilities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your, mm-hmm. your, but your own mileage may vary. Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, what Did you see that? Uh, there was a terrible John Chen interview See a BlackBerry with the BlackBerry perv. <laughs> the BlackBerry perv. <laughs> did I pronounce that correctly? Uh, yeah, you did. Okay, that's good. exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, you know, it's got the uh, latest Qualcomm. It runs the Google. Yeah, great it camera. runs the Google. <laughs> and uh, Dan Seifert was like, if I could just boil every hands-on video I ever shoot down to, it runs Google and has the latest Qualcomm. <laughs> He's like, I'd be golden. Right. Uh, so it's, it's I don't know. John Chan uh, apparently was on stage at Code Mobile. Yeah. He uh, wants to sell 5 million BlackBerry devices next year. I bet he does. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. And I want to be a perfect Swiss man. <laughs> uh, look, we all have dreams. Uh, so whatever. So that's happening. Uh, BlackBerry continues its slow descent into madness, uh, into madness and, and just futility. But Microsoft is back. They are back. That They're was back. a great yeah. event. It was, it was a, a really event. good event. Yeah. Even me, like somebody who does like basically nothing but snark about Microsoft, looked at all these products and thought, "Hey, uh, like there are some nice things here." It wasn't, it, you know, honestly, it's the products look good and that made everything better. Um, but actually, what struck me about this event, and we went with this massive crew of people, uh, and it was a big event. And you know, Microsoft can be really cheesy in a very particular way. They love like we brought the fans out, and like you know, Apple like is, has a cult, but there's rarely yeah. like a standing ovation for a MacBook Pro. Right. right. Like Microsoft is like, we found the people in America who will stand up and applaud when we show them a laptop right. and they're here today <laughs> tweeting with this hashtag, which is great. And usually that comes off really cheesy and false. Although, but they, this time it came off very sincere yes. and like in a, in a way that's like Microsoft is, I've always described covering Microsoft as watching somebody else do a puzzle. <laughs> which is infuriating, <laughs> right? Like just that, which that, right? Like and like Microsoft can never do it, and it's like they were finally like we just we put the puzzle together, guys. <laughs> they did. Yeah. Uh, my favorite moment of the whole presentation was towards the end when uh, Panos Pene said, "You know, I I'm not supposed to do this," which that's always when yeah, my yeah. ears perk up because yeah. like things go right off the rails. He's like, "I'm I'm gonna let you guys touch these. Would anybody yeah. like to touch them?" And people just started rending their garments <laughs> and hurling themselves at the man so that they could touch a a, a, a lapboard with a detachable screen, which feels awesome. Yeah. Also, they have to stop calling it a digital clipboard. I agree. Every mm. time they call it clipboard, like 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 what could have a lamer association than a clipboard? <laughs> it's also, like a stapler. You like, can't clip anything to it. Like it doesn't work like mm-hmm. a clipboard. It does look much like no, a clipboard. Well, so, but no, all right, like, wait, 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 so, so, so let's zoom out. So it's a great I, event. I was about to actually there, because technically right. when you double click the thing on the pen, it opens up the clip mode where you can clip part of the screen I and then die. put it in yeah, the outlook. I'm, this is bad. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Don't do that. Clipped. No. It's a digital so, clip. Let's just let's just just saying. Let's just zoom out together as a out. Mm-hmm. Dieter, tell us what happened at this event. Uh, man, so much. So they announced, they started with phones, right? Or did they start with the, band? They start with the band and then the HoloLens and then phones. Band, and then phone. So start with the new Microsoft band. Um, I still find it an insane product. Yeah. It's still awkward and weird, but this thing m- measures 
literally everything. Yeah. And it, it's it's not quite to the level of like the $500 GPS enabled crazy insane smartwatch with the chest strap and blah, 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 blah. But it's like half a tick below that. Yeah. Uh, 250 bucks. Um, you know, we'll see. I'm not a banned health kind of person, but it's like, it seems nuts. And it's like a, basically a smartphone that is really big and awkward, but not, not smartphone, smartphone. My watch. take on the band is that nobody knows what these are for. Right. right. They're for, they're for regular old, plain old average athletes who happen to run ultra marathons. Yeah. That was how they positioned it. Uh, I, you know, it always winds up being like something that you give a loved one at Christmas that they wear for three weeks and then either lose or just put in a drawer. Yeah. yeah. Or they became like insanely addicted to numbers and you're like, what happened to you? And there are so can't many talk numbers to, to be right. addicted by. Uh, that's what happened to Christy, uh, Turlington, uh, Burns. <laughs> She's like, I have to run through Africa yeah. now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That anyway, awesome. so that's a band. I mean, that's what the video was. Right. Uh, we saw HoloLens demo. Yeah. I mean, the thing about the band and the HoloLens is, uh, the thing I, I meant to say about the band was, nobody knows what wearables are for. Right. Um, and so, like, it, it is le- at least interesting that Microsoft isn't like, our solution is a watch, because nobody knows what they're for. So they might as well start in a totally different zone and iterate towards the final solution versus, you know, we made a watch just like everybody else. But th- I think they're very open about the fact that they're like, yeah, we don't, I don't know. Does he like this? Do you, do you want this? Yeah. What um, is, like, there's, there's no killer app for the wearable yet, right? The, the killer app is ultra marathons, right? God. It's like measuring your VO2 max, mm-hmm. uh, I guess. Wow. Anyhow, so the, there's a band, and then a Holland's demo. Yeah, where a guy walked around a room very, very, very slowly uh, in a reaction to giant killer scorpion robots invading his home. Yeah. yeah. He's just like, oh, look, the walls exploded, <laughs> and there are robot drones flying through it that want to zap me. But they're, Let me casually mosey over to this corner. But isn't that how you play video games? Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's definitely how yeah, I play Halo. You sit, in your, you sit in your living room, and you like steal cars, and you like run around and like shoot people, but you don't actually like move. Did you just want to see like terror on his face? Did you, did you kick people I wanted not to see him die on stage. As children, did you not like build forts and run around and like yeah. play guns and like? Yeah, pop but like up, we uh, know that we know we're not like none of that stuff was photorealistic. It's not like you're actually thinking that your wall is coming no, down. I know, but in terms of like a holographic game that is like action packed, the reaction like you want a game where you can actually right. like. But here's the problem. If you die in HoloLens, you die in real life. And so you have to be very careful when you do that. Uh, but the news there was that the developer kit is coming Q1 of 2016. And I think it's like three grand. Yeah, 3000 3, yeah. yeah. Which, like, real talk, we're not going to see this thing released to consumers till holiday of next year. And is the 3000 is the 3000 just the HoloLens itself? And then you would have to have a really powerful computer to plug it in? No, is HoloLens it like the is a standalone. Or yeah, the- but the, dev- the dev kit, I don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, true. It could be like a crazy just like thing in the cable to your powerful computer yeah right the hololens like they're getting to the place where the hardware is more final but when they first prototyped it like they wouldn't like basically tom was like blindfolded and they put the thing on his face and they took it off they're like don't look at it well i'm just kind of sick of the demos that they do because they're showing us in the demos something that's not realistic like the field of view is so much smaller than what yeah. we're seeing and yeah. when you're watching the demo and you see all of everything that's in the room that's not what the hololens is showing you the hololens right. is showing you like a tiny little bit of it and so i just i i think that we wrote a piece about that how it's like a little bit smoke and mirrors yeah I it's just, addy addy's all over that i mean i'm not into it I, it's just like Show us what the actual device is. I don't think you can. It's very I, different. I have this, there's like this weird problem, which is that like most of the screens and video that we capture is designed for mass viewing, and then all, everything in the, every piece of technology we cover 
almost every single thing is like about more and more personal experiences, right? So like VR, there's no way to show VR to multiple people at once unless mm. you, everybody has a hardware. AR is the same thing. Like it's well, actually really of. fascinating. Like how do you but, how do you communicate to a mass audience the experience of something that's designed to be as intimately personal as possible? But you can play the video, like you can display what the person is seeing in their <coughs> headset, and you can watch that just like how you like watch someone else play a game on Twitch. Like you could do the same thing, and you could see exactly what's in the frame as opposed to like I don't know if I'm making myself clear. No, you yeah, can, yeah. no, you absolutely could. Like, you could just I, that wouldn't give you field seeing. of view. Well, it would though, because it would it would cut off. If we were seeing exactly what the Hololens was seeing in those demos, we would only be seeing oh, a video that's yeah, a yeah. certain distance wide, and it would actually give us an understanding of what the Hololens is like. I just think that they're doing themselves a disservice with the I, demos because it's fair. giving people too high of a expectation. Yeah, but I think it's also they're desperately trying to teach people what the difference between AR and VR is, and so I think their demos are way more about establishing like this is what it does versus this is what they're like. Because it's not, no one's ever made that product before and try to give it to consumers and like try to make it exciting. I think they're desperately just trying to be like, here's our vision of this product and like what it can do. And it's better for them to like oversell it a little bit, oversell it, make okay. it hyper realistic versus here's just like a picture of like cartoons on a screen. Yeah. And, I, I, and I think that tension is just real. It's like, literally, I just keep wondering like, no one has figured out how to do video of VR experiences yet. Which is actually going to make the Microsoft stores like weirdly important, right? Because right. that like people are going to have to see it to decide if it's something they care about, and uh, like who knows if they like it, maybe the Microsoft store will be also, the reason. I was why. at the Microsoft store, and it's funny because the headsets are there in a glass case, and it's like this just looks like it is a little strange. Like put this on your face sometime. We're Can you imagine if Apple just like put the iPhone Seven in a glass case in like every store? <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> They probably still sell so many. Yeah. Um, okay, so there, that, those are those those things, and then phones. Yeah. So two Lumias, the Lumia nine fifty, Lumia nine fifty XL, and then there's a cheap five fifty, whatever. Uh, the big deal. These are like the first Windows ten mobile phones. Which yeah. I think is what we're calling them now, which is Kill just me. the best. Kill me. Uh, so they run like a version of Windows ten. They run Windows ten. If you, like once you get down to the semantics of it, I'm sure that like there are fist fights that happen amongst you know Windows fanboys and fangirls. Uh, but basically, they're just Windows phones. Like you know what a Windows phone looks like, feels like, how it acts, what it does, except that they run uh, you, the universal apps, which are the same apps on desktop as they are on the phone. They just shrink down, you know, responsively. Uh, so Facebook has committed to putting some of those apps on there. And then the other thing that they do is this thing called Continuum which you plug it into a display and then you can just open up a bunch of apps on the display and like a, like a little tiny desktop. Um, and like you can switch between the apps so you can't window stuff, but they're like the full version of the apps, the same stuff you'd see on Windows 10, but running off of the phone. And like we launched like four or five apps plus had, had an app running on the phone. It was fine. Like switching hmm. was fine. Yeah. It's super cool. I don't know if I really believe... Microsoft's claim is that oh, in the developing world, just buy this phone, you know, buy a hundred dollar dock, and then you'll just that'll be your computer for you know the rest of your yeah, years or whatever. That's a long way away. That's a long way away. But it's like really cool. And then we found out after the event that these phones that are you know fine, they're good. They have this one cool feature are uh, exclusive to <laughs> AT and T. Wait, are they exclusive? Yeah. The the one of them is. I don't know about the other one, but it's either way. It's like. Uh, but 
I don't think that they need to sell these phones. They need these phones to exist. They need yeah. like they need to just stay in there and keep that relationship with AT&T going, I guess. Yeah. So that someday other OEMs will say, no, hey, no. I don't think it's about OEMs. No. I think it's it's about apps. Every app, Microsoft's whole thing is to, to claw their way back into the mobile app market. Um, and, you know, they have this big problem where nobody pays for software anymore in mobile. And Microsoft's entire business is selling you software. Right. Um, so they now they've moved to this model where you're going to, you're going to pay for subscriptions to their software on various mobile platforms, but they need to convince all the app developers to put apps on the phone so that their phone is good. So their phone needs to just exist yep. while they like work their way towards their future of whatever Windows 10 is and whatever the new model for software sales is. Um, but that's why they make devices now. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like, uh, and the reason they make the Surface Pro and the Surface Book and they're doing Windows 10 and they're giving Windows 10 away for free is literally to convince people to make universal apps. Um, so that when sometime down the road, when they put out the next Lumia, they can say, oh, it has a bunch of apps because we gave Windows 10 away for free to everyone. Yeah. And Facebook made a universal app for the Surface Book, and it just runs on the phone fine. I mean, if they're successful, the next Lumia won't be a Lumia. It'll be a Surface phone. Yeah. I think, I, I, and I think that's actually why it's not branded Surface phone. Yeah. Hmm. I, get, I get the real sense that they don't want to ruin that branding with a failed product. Yeah. Right, like the Surface is a successful... How did that stop them from releasing the Surface RT or the Surface 3? Yeah, no, the Surface... Uh, uh, All right. Yeah. Uh, Surface Pro 3 is great. Yeah, the Surface 3 is... I have a question. Yeah. Yeah. With them giving Windows 10 away for free, how is Microsoft making money, like, right now? Uh, Well, so every time anyone sells a computer, they still pay a license fee. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I is think that that there's, a, there's a limitation to the free upgrade. Microsoft cycle. has like seven or eight billion dollar businesses. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. about, over it's, a billion dollars. It's more businesses. about their enterprise stuff at this point, right? Like SharePoint, I'm, Azure is huge for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're they're, they're going to continue Xbox. to make money on Windows. The Surface Just line is a like three now. billion dollar business for them. Yeah. Um, so they Microsoft makes a lot of money, and so when I was talking to Adela, he's like, I actually need this company to stop worrying about money, like hmm. revenue and profit are the signs of success after you've made all the bets. Um, but I need people to care about whether or not the customers love our products and whether or not they're using it. He's like, I don't really care if, um, I don't know what example he used. I think it was OneDrive. He's like, I don't really care if the OneDrive team is squeezing more profit out of OneDrive. I care if the customers are using it more and more and more and more. Right. Um, and I, that, that was like a fascinating part of the interview because – I think Balmer really cared about squeezing profit yeah. out of every leverage point that he had with Windows and Office. And, and he was great at it. He was really good at it. Yeah. Um, and I think that culture is still in Microsoft where they know how to make money. You know, it's like we talk about Amazon this way, where it's like one day Amazon's going to flip the switch and they're, they're going to make more than a dollar a quarter, right? But right now, uh, you know, they just keep investing all their money in R&D. Um, but like... Is there a switch to Amazon? Like, you know, we don't know because they've never done it. No, they've right? done it once. There was one time they did it. When it was like two that. years ago. They're like, hey. When yeah, they had like an outrageously profitable quarter. Yeah. And we're like, see. And then they immediately spent like $800 million <laughs> on R&D. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're they're like, fire phone. Yeah. yeah, we're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Microsoft, like Microsoft has the, the switch. Yeah. Like, you know it. Like it's a there. And I think that culture is there. And I think Nadella has spent all of his time being like, don't we, touch the switch. Stay away Don't from touch the it. switch. Like, we need to get back in the game. Yep. Uh, and that is really interesting because it means that he's pissing off so many of his partners, particularly, I think, now, like, the Surface Pro 4 irritated everyone. Yep. The Surface Pro 3 irritated everyone. Uh, and now the Surface... Because it was good. <laughs> it was really good. Right. Uh, although, I never liked it. Like, 
There's the, so here's what they did with the Surface Pro 4 to fix the things you didn't like. They've they've tweaked the keyboard again, so it's a little bit it's more still, keyboardy. Whatever. They've made the trackpad bigger, uh, mostly in the X, maybe a little in the Y, uh, but it's actually good. Now. I just don't buy the form factor. It, like they can't. The thing about the Surface, like finally, my, like this is the computer I've always wanted from Microsoft because it's their computer. It's integrated. It doesn't have the garbage. Yeah. It's like this is what they want Windows to be. I get it. And you're like, but why? Fucking kickstand. Like kickstand's good. But whatever. Like it's just a bad idea. It's like they couldn't make a laptop, so they made some other bad idea about a laptop. They fixed a the stylus. But now they made a laptop, which is very exciting Fine, because it's a very good laptop. laptop. The, the, yes, let's talk about the laptop. Yeah. The Surface Pro 4 is a spec bump, right? Yeah. Like if you like the Surface Pro 3, you were almost certain to like the Surface Pro 4. They kept the same connectors. If you, like me, thought the Surface Pro 3 was the best execution of a fundamentally dumb idea, then you will feel the same way about the Surface Pro 4. Yeah. yeah. Also, shout out to people like myself who just aggressively did not care about either Surface Pro. Right. I think that was a lot of people. There's three of them. The, and then two regular ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. One of them only ran Windows ARM apps. See, that was a product worth buying. By the time you've told me that much, <laughs> I just like my iPad's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you for my iPad. Uh, anyhow, uh, Surface yeah. Book. So Microsoft talks about how we made the best laptop ever. It's a 13.5, I think. It's like, it feels like a 14, but it's in a 13 inch yeah. form factor, basically. Um, amazing screen. Uh, it's got this insane hinge, and you're like, why is this hinge so insane? It looks like a snake. It's called dynamic fulcrum something or other. Yeah. Muscle wire. Muscle wire. So Wait, no, this, no, is that's, that's this the thing about something later. else. We're oh, not there yet. Sorry. Right. This is the thing about this presentation. I, and I, sub, I submit this to, to you and to our audience. There are only two people in the tech industry who can sell names for specs in a way that I know that those names will then show up in our comments. Yeah. It's Phil Schiller can just name shit at will about mm-hmm. Apple products. And then people are like, well, it doesn't have a retina display. And you're like, those are just words. They, whatever. Uh, and now, Panos Pene. Yeah. He can just be like, it has a G5 optical stack. And I guarantee you we're going to review the iPad Pro whenever we review mm-hmm. it. And we're going to talk about the stylus. And someone in our what? comments is going to be, you know, just doesn't have that G5 optical there's stack. There's actually and two. Like, ah! There's the G5 <laughs> optical stack and there's Pixel Sense. Yeah. Um, well, if you don't have Pixel Sense, just get the fuck right? out of my face. Uh, <laughs> It's a really good laptop. It has a huge trackpad. It's got a really great keyboard. It's made out of magnesium. (laughs) It weighs, I said it weighs heavy, but it's like heavy relative to like a MacBook Air. But it's like, you know, three and a half pounds. It's like what a professional laptop at that grade weighs. Uh, And then he gets to the reveal and he's like, oh, and by the way, pushes a button and lifts the screen off and the thing is a tablet. Hooray. Like a really great feeling tablet. Yeah. How heavy is the tablet? Uh, It's not heavy. Like I just want to hold it all the time. Yeah. So that's a good weight. I've seen Neil like cuddling it in private moments (laughs) in his office. (laughs) Uh, I mean, like it's, this is a pro, like I have never, I have not been excited about a Microsoft product in a long time. Yeah. And it's funny because during the event, when they're announcing all the stuff, they're so excited. They're like Windows 10 everywhere. And Dieter looked at me and he was like, "This is a really good event." And I was like, "I hadn't yet been. So, I hadn't. They hadn't shown me the service we get. My heart hadn't yet found its new love." And I was like, "Yeah." And so you go home and your fucking Xbox One crashes because that's my experience with Microsoft. Yeah, usually, it's right. like I have this thing. I play the games on it and it crashes all the time. Uh, and I'm like, they haven't figured it out. And then I was like playing with a service book at the event. And I was like, I, "This is. I want." this experience really bad. I have this dream where um, I just take a pen, I write, I write on the, ver- like literally write on the website what I want to fix. Yeah. And like, this is finally the product. Oh, and the pen is so, they, they changed, you can buy tips for the new pen. 
Yeah. And oh, those look so cool. They, it feels, there's more friction. They made it softer. It feels way better. And pixel sense in the G5 optical stack means that the pen is way more responsive. It has way less. Oh, my God. Thank you, nerd Dieter. I'm just saying. Um, the pixel sense G5 optical system. <laughs> just like, here, here's the thing. And the, the reason I say I'm, I'm, I'm like joking about Panos and Schiller being able to say these things. But the reason, and I think this is actually important, it's Panos did an amazing job of telling you why they had done the engineering of the product. And he kept on saying, this is really nerdy, but it's important. And let me tell you why. And then he would explain, this is why we engineered the hinge this way. Or this is why the chips and the phones are liquid cooled or yep. whatever. Like, he, would, he was going through in extreme detail, very nerdy specs about his products. But he was saying, let me tell you why it matters. Because it enables this experience or that experience. And like, we were joking last week at the Google event that now every phone launch has to include some sort of freshman seminar about how photography works. Like, here's a sensor, here are microns, here are pixels. Yeah, the yeah. pixels turn light into electricity. The electricity rockets through your phone and assembles itself into a memory. Like, everyone has to do it. Um, and Google just kind of like fell down on the job. They're like, we bought some Sony shit. It's pretty good. No, they had a picture with the, the size of the pixels. Yeah, mm. but like you have to do it. But it's like, I've never seen Google sell specs in that way. They, right. Like they try not to. I think a lot of the industry has been taught by Apple that the experience is what matters, so you shouldn't focus on specs. But then they miss the fact that Phil Schiller is always talking about specs. Just well, it's about how you talk about the specs. Like the entire difference for me for this presentation for Microsoft was that Panos Panay, I think that's yeah, how you yeah. say his name, he was he actually seemed like he cared about what he was talking about. <laughs> like and like when when as he, opposed to Microsoft's previous zombies. Well, no, but it's it's. You can do a presentation and be like very professional and upfront and come off fine and neutral, but he mm -hmm. came off like extremely passionate in a way that I haven't seen someone be in a tech presentation probably like this year yet. Right. Yeah. Well, he, he came off as passionate. In, in previous events, he's just come off as angry. <laughs> and, and so it was actually really great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm just saying, like, I haven't seen Microsoft deliver this level of understanding of why it's making the products mm -hmm. and why the products have good specs and why it exists, which is literally the question I asked Nadella in our interview. It was like, why does Microsoft exist? And he has this line and it's Pat. And actually, you know, if you, we, we did our interview, we're like, Oh, that's great. He's so human. And we like watch build and he says all the same things. <laughs> so whatever. Um, but he's like passionate. He's like, we make things so you can make things, which is such a great, that's it. That's the whole statement of purpose for Microsoft. Now, that is very much in line with, it's funny because we watched the Steve Jobs movie yeah. yesterday. And, you know, in that movie, Jobs is the, the famous bicycle analogy is recapitulated, which is humans are more efficient on bicycles. But computers are bicycles. We can give it to everybody. And now we're all smarter. And it's the same idea, right? We enable you to be creative. Right. Um, but Microsoft has never known that before right right They're, like usually microsoft statement of purpose was like we want to put a computer on every desk because that's how we get rich right and now it's like we are a platform company that enables people and so the service book to me is like they understand why it's there it's not just like you know the way samsung will just like add features to a product and we make fun of them for just randomly adding features to a product right it very much feels like the service book is not just adding features and form factors it's we're going to make the best laptop we can because this is the best expression of our software. Right. There was no wave your hand over it to turn the screen on. 
or like whatever Samsung oh, yeah, yeah, would do, do with the tablet. <laughs> whatever Samsung can do. I just I don't know. Like I don't know what Windows OEMs are going to do to compete with this thing. And they you know today they no, tried. They're, they, they're going to by making products that are cheaper because this thing starts at fifteen hundred bucks. Hmm. That's it. Like they own the top end of the market now. They they're competing with Apple. And uh, Tom interviewed Panos and he basically was like, yeah, we're. Apple makes premium products. We make premium products. We're competing right. with Apple, and I'm not afraid to say it. Yeah. I mean, I just have to say, it was, I, we, I think you said it just a minute ago. Like, I think this was the tech launch of the year. Like, we, the Google one was pretty flat, and Marshmallow is pretty eh, yeah. it seems. Um, and um, Apple was like, I don't know, it's bigger and it has a stylus. Right. We don't have a TV streaming service yet. So it's, you know, it's like Apple's doing the stuff it does, and it's, just a monolith and it you know it's so dominant that it's just gonna keep doing stuff and it's great but there's no there's no sense that apple's like has fire right it's like you can push well the, we haven't seen their car yet yeah no. i had this this thing about 3d touch which is you know when you like try to scroll an unresponsive touchscreen it's in, it's infuriating yeah mm-hmm. 3d touch is worse because you're squeezing it it's doing nothing and so all you can do is squeeze harder <laughs> and then you feel like like a weakling because it still does nothing my uh, my rose gold iPhone six is currently at a UPS store in San Francisco, so I won't be able to get it until Monday. Attention, UPS drivers! Yeah, <laughs> free <laughs> rose gold iPhone. Um, but um, but I am really curious to try that because I enjoyed very much using a 3D Touch in uh, at the Apple event. But I'm hearing a lot from people that they're having trouble with it, and I did send the phone into jiggle mode a lot. Yeah, uh, I can't get mine to go into jiggle mode now. I'm having the really? opposite issue. Yeah. I can do force touch, but I can't get my icons. Or like, if I try to highlight something, I have a m- so much trouble highlighting now with 3D touch. Hmm. Yeah, should we, should we go to the money zone? Yeah, I'm gonna let you to read the ads today because uh, uh, I've worked hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is there anything else to say about Microsoft? There, There's we, so we, much more to say about Microsoft. Well, you got to review the products. I think that's the yeah. moment. But I've never seen a more confident, purposeful Microsoft. I think Nadella is. Uh, he told me you should obviously go watch the interview but he told me during the interview he's like when i became the ceo um and you know he and i had this crazy long car ride because he mm. we we had this long conversation with them they're like we want to do a video interview with you we want nadella in front of your audience we want to make him a human because he only he's only done business coverage so far um or like been in the wall street journal and they're like tell me about the share price and like i want to talk about products i want to talk about him uh and i want to get out of the venue because doing these interviews of any sucks. I'm like, okay. And the first idea, I'm going to tell the story. The first idea was that basically like I would take him on a date. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, go to like a, they actually suggested this. They're like, go to a dive bar or like go to some cool restaurant. And I was like, yeah, actually I kind of want to do that. Like that sounds awesome. And then the logistics were just too hard. So like, what if we just use our unopened Microsoft store? It's empty. We can, you can be there all day and like light it and do all this stuff. So we did all that. But the Microsoft store is not near the venue. Oh. Yeah. And so, dude, I just like got into his Escalade and just like sat in traffic together for a while. Does he have and, one like of those, shot the shit? It was great. Does he have one of those cars with like, like a Pope mobile with like plastic so that he can like wave at people as it goes down uh, like Broadway? Uh, yes. No, great. no, it's, it's just an Escalade. It's just whatever. It's Escalade. Anyway, so we were uh, we in this car and he was just telling. Me, I was like, "How's like how's this been for you?" Uh, and he's like, "the The thing that I've learned is that my job is just to repeat myself." Like the secret to great leadership is just repetition. Uh, and he's like, you just say the vision and you say it and say it and say it. And that's like, that is the essential fact of what I do. 
Um, and he's like, I have like four different personas. He's like, I'm doing this today and tomorrow I'm going to Wall Street and I'm like my Wall Street persona is out. And it was just like this fascinating, wonderful conversation. Uh, and then we got um, to the store and we did the interview and at the end I was like, what's been your hardest challenge? And he's like, I had to figure out what my job is. And that's something that you can watch that in the video. He's like, yeah, the end what? of that video was awesome. He's like, what is my job? And he's like, my job is, it's not micromanaging the products. It's creating a culture that lets other people micromanage the products and like mm. develop them. And it was just like that Microsoft has never had that kind of clarity in its leadership before. And I don't know if the products are good. Like they look great and I kind of want a surface book. And it's funny because I think Google is getting just irritatingly cartoony. I can't stand to look at Dieter's phone right well, now. Well, this is the Nexus 6, which is... No, when I look at the operating system and I see the Google logo on that search bar, I literally want to pick up your phone and throw it across the room. Like, mm. it's a, the whole thing is a cartoon, and it's like, it's not, it doesn't feel serious to me, right? It's like, it's, they want to make technology so playful that Meh. they've lost the sense of purpose. And the iPhone is like, I'm used to it. So I'm playing with this, I'm like, oh man, Windows 10 looks serious. Like, and I, so maybe the products are good. They seem good. But the idea that Microsoft is going to be focused is like really great mm -hmm. because I think I really think that these companies need serious competition head up as opposed to Apple and Google, which compete at angles to each other constantly. But like the idea that Microsoft will just be a straight direct competitor to Apple and sell devices and software together with a vision of how they connect to, I don't know, it's like a thing. It's fantastic. Right. As a journalist, yeah. you're always rooting for balance of power. Like right. there need to be five giant companies at least all competing with each other at a very high level. Yeah. All right. We all win. Speaking of which, it's time to make some money. Are you, are you, are you a tech professional searching for a new company to share your tech skills with? Uh, so you should, you should probably <laughs> check out Hired. They connect talent with top tech companies. On Hired, software engineers, designers, they can get five plus interview requests in a single week. Each offer, they give you the salary and the equity that they're being offered, that they're offering you up front before you even have to talk to anybody. They've got both full-time and contract opportunities. And they work with over 2,500 companies that include startups to big, huge, large public companies. Uh, employers are from 12 major tech hubs in North America and Europe. So here's the thing. If you go to sign up, it's free for you, for users looking for a job. And if you get a job through Hired, Hired will just give you a $2,000 thank you bonus for getting hired, which is, you know, good job. Um, <laughs> You've got hired. Now you have enough money to quit. Well, so here's another thing. If you go to Hired.com slash Vergecast to sign up, they're going to double it. They're going to give you $4,000 for getting hired. That's a good job. So if you're not looking for a job, but you know somebody who is, you can refer them to Hired, and Hired will pay you the refer. $1,337 as a bonus if the person you refer gets hired. Casey, do you know what $1,337 spells out? Oh, my God. Uh, elite? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> God, thank God I didn't fail that quiz. So I don't know what you're waiting for. You should just go check out Hired.com slash Vergecast right now. Is it time? To That's it. Okay. So, Casey, yes. you've had some adventures this week. Wait, boy, we, we, have I. Hold on, Wait. we forgot to do a thing. Yeah, we haven't hype-checked a single thing. Kirsten. I'm just interjecting at will at this yeah. point. <laughs> hype-check hype check the, uh, the Surface Book. The Surface Book? Yeah. Um, I don't want one for myself, but it makes me super excited about where Microsoft is going. Yeah. I'm super excited for, like, the very next Microsoft event and, yeah. like, what they will do after this. Because I feel like we're, like, seeing the beginning of them 
becoming focused and I'm excited to see what like two or three years of focus looks like. Hmm. Interesting. Hype check, uh, Panos Panay. Oh, 10 out of 10. <laughs> so many hearts. We're all over the place. <laughs> this hype check scale is chaotic. I just give you numbers and hearts. This hang is- on, hang on, hang on. I got one more. Hype check, the former cruise line lounge singer oh my who god now demos products for microsoft on stage who is that guy? wearing a fedora and purple shoes that guy needs to go i'm sorry i don't know who you are i'm sure you're great i'm sure you've thought about my hype check is shruggy that's my <laughs> hype check on that i don't know when he was like, a, productive, like a boss he's like a nice guy i'm sure he's a great guy yeah. and i'm sure the improv classes that he's been taking <laughs> are really fun uh i just don't think he should wear hats on stage anyway casey yes let's 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 discuss the the state of the web yeah and well, media uh, some th- things we care a lot about so two at least two big media stories this week the first one was that twitter finally let us see project lightning yeah uh and uh if you've been following twitter's story this year you know that they've had a rough year they've had some uncertainty in their leadership <laughs> uh they've watched their stock price fall and they've been unable to really move the needle on the number of people who are uh, using the service every month. It's sort of somewhere around like 300, 315 million people. And so Dick Costolo uh, decided to move on to greener pastures this summer. And right before he quit, he told the world that they were working on this thing called Project, Project Lightning, which emerged uh, this week in the form of Moments, which is a new tab that if you're in the U.S. has already rolled out on your phone. You tap on it. And you see curated selections of tweets uh, that kind of highlight some of the big stories of the day. And those tweets are from sites like ours, uh, from everyday people, from uh, everybody on Twitter. And they've been packaged by Twitter itself, which created an editorial team for the first time. So Twitter is now like an actual editorial product. Um, And they're also uh, having their partners package some of these moments together. So the Washington Post and BuzzFeed uh, and some others are are putting these things together. And the idea is that Twitter has been too hard to use for average people. Most people don't want to figure out who they should follow, who they should unfollow, what a favorite is or a retweet is. So Twitter is trying to give them a dead simple way. When they open up the phone, they can just tap on the central tab and, and they will show you the best of Twitter. And during big events like the Oscars, the Super Bowl, the big playoff game, uh, you will get, you, you can, if you, if you want to, tap a follow button and Twitter will bring you all of the best tweets from the Oscars or the Super Bowl. And then as soon as the event is over, all those accounts that you're seeing, they all just kind of disappear. So those are the two big ideas and moments. It rolled out. It's um, gotten, I would say, mixed to positive reviews. Um, and, um, you what know, do you think? well, uh, I think the idea is right. Uh, I think I'm a little bit skeptical about the prospects of this being the thing that vaults Twitter from 300 million users to a billion users. Yeah. Um, people like news apps a lot, but they don't love them necessarily. Like I, I, I think that Twitter is going to have to get a little bit, um, better at finding and packaging these tweets and delivering them to people for it really to feel amazing. Because I was talking to uh, Josh Jezza, one of our editors yesterday, and he says, you know, I, I tap through this thing and there'll be like 10 tweets in a moment. And the first tweet is a dam broke. And then there are 10 more tweets telling me that the dam broke. Yeah. Right. So, and that's the thing about Twitter is that these individual tweets, like they, 
they're not meant necessarily to, to join together. And so you have to get really good if you mm-hmm. want to be able to tell a whole story by stringing together 10 or 12 tweets. Um, sometimes it's, it's easier though. Like, you know, when Miley Cyrus and Nicki Minaj are just yelling at each other back and forth on Twitter, that actually is pretty easy to put together and regular people are going to love that. So I see that as being big upside, right? You just tap that moments tab and you're like, you know, Miley and Nikki are having a huge fight on Twitter. Swipe through it. That's awesome. So this is, this is, so I am definitely in the mixed camp Yeah, because that is not what it can do for you. Really? And that's not how it's designed, right? It's designed to show you photos and videos. Yeah. Like that's what it wants to do. It desperately wants to show you photos and videos. The whole interface is, and it's beautiful, Yeah, but it's like very visual and it's mostly about photographs with like, and you, it's not about tweets. Like Can't, it's weird because it doesn't funnel you into Twitter's product, right. which is Twitter. It's like a new product. It's like built on. It's like the, it's Flipboard. It's Meta Twitter. Well, it's displaying the tweets in a different way. It's not taking you yeah. away from the tweets because every single thing that you see is a tweet. Just they're just enlarging the images and putting the text at the and bottom. hiding all the things that you do to control a tweet. Yeah, but I mean, you can get to those with the three like button. Yeah, you can click but a menu and open Twitter. That part of it is not what makes me concerned and confused about moments. I have real questions about how they're curating it because. Like Casey, I don't know if you can talk about a little bit more about yeah. how they're doing that, but like I opened one of the moments today and it was about Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. and nine of the like 10, uh, tweets that were in there were all Fox news. Hmm. And then there was one that was from Hillary Clinton's official account. Hmm. So I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm confused about who's curating these, who's making them. Are they meant to be impartial versions of events? Are they going to be like, you know, stories by all by Fox News. Like, what? Who's creating the stuff that I'm seeing in there? So there's a guy named Andrew Fitzgerald who's <laughs> leading so the, the product team. Um, or I'm sorry, who's leading the editorial team? They have a small team in New York and San Francisco. And what the way that they're finding these tweets, or at least the candidates for the tweets to put into moments, is. Um, looking at what tweets are getting the most favorites and retweets, um, signals uh, like those. And then they kind of, you know, look at this pile of tweets around a subject and the ones that seem to be getting a lot of engagement and that the Twitter team thinks are really relevant, they're going to go ahead and put into a moment. Now, what they've told me is... There are there are moments that are strictly, specifically from a single publication, though. So that Fox Can News one... Yeah. yeah, there's a little Fox News logo above oh, it. Oh, wow. Well, so, so, like so they put a map on it. So here's my question. And this is what I mean about the tweets. Because the fact that it's not tweets... Like, yes, they're displaying the tweets in a different way, but they, they're prioritizing the tweets with photos and videos, right? What is a tweet? What is a tweet? Um, how are they going to contend with Black Lives Matter, which is something that literally was created on Twitter. Yeah. But this product doesn't have any way to contend with. I think um, if there were to be uh, a sort of huge moment on Twitter around the hashtag Black Lives Matter, you should absolutely expect it to see it as packaged as But that's just tweets. That's like people saying, I support this. Yeah, but, uh, you know, right now or, you know, in a world where there's no moments, there's no way of easily finding, like, you know, what is the tweet that started this latest thing? Like, who are the leaders of this movement, right? right. Wh- which tweets are getting the most engagement, right? Twitter can, like, go just go find that. And you as a person, you know, because the average person isn't going to, like, just go dig through, like, the s- source of a hashtag, right? But Twitter can sort of figure that out package it together in a moment and deliver it to you. And then you open Twitter while you're waiting in line at Starbucks and you're like, Oh, there's something going on with black lives matter. And you tap it. And then you just swipe through, you know, 14 or 15 tweets about it. Um, like that's like, tr- like absolutely but that's a, a better flat- experience, but that's a flattening. 
And I have, sure. I, I have many thoughts about this, but like, yeah. Okay. This is going to be crazy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's go there. Uh, I, I've been vaping my perfect, my perfect <laughs> cigarette. Uh, it's like Ikea. Hear what? me out. Here, okay. Just hear me out. Sure. Going to Ikea is an exercise in futility and frustration, and you should never go there because everything in Ikea looks great when there's 50 of them. You're like, I do want $54 clocks because there's like a wall of clocks that are cheap and it like looks cool and it's visually presented. You're like, uh, I want every color, right? It's like, it's this moment that Ikea can create through volume, right? And then you buy the one thing and you go home and you're like, this is garbage. I just bought a $5 clock. Like I needed the other 49 for this to be the experience that I saw in the store. Twitter is about volume. It's about the immediacy of Twitter. The power of Twitter is like suddenly your timeline explodes and you're like, something's happening. And you take one tweet out of that and it's like, this is meaningless to me, which is why like news coverage of Twitter is often like either they have to fall down the hole of let's show you 50 tweets or they're like, I don't know, what's some other hashtag? Like some hashtag is exploding, right? Like tornado is, expl- I don't know, that's right. a bad hashtag. Hashtag blessed is exploding. Hashtag mm. blessed is exploding. Uh, and they're like, here's one, and it's like whatever. Like, well, I'm but then they're not going to show you one. They're going to show you fifteen. But but that explosion. But that ex- that's the thing. But they right. can they. It's that explosion in the timeline where everything else gets interrupted by a moment. Right. Is actually the power of Twitter. And if you take that out of that and into a tab, and it's just like, what's happening? You click on it, and it's like. But they're not taking stuff. it out of your timeline. They're just adding another feature for no, people that don't have a timeline No, but if you're a new, if you're a a new user, already. you don't get it. It's flattened, right? It's just another Twitter-powered newsreader. If you're a new new user, you don't have a timeline anyway. There's You're not flattening anything. But you're I'm, giving yeah, someone but something what I'm saying you is your goal is to get people into the product of Twitter. That is, well, yes, so and maybe no, no, no. the product See, of Twitter is evolving. So that's getting the people into moments. The goal of this is not to turn people into Twitter users. Like They've decided they're done with that, I think. And that's what moments is about can jack is jack dorsey the person to decide that people are done with twitter is he the person to decide they're done with twitter well i mean that's theater's claim right is that moments is actually a new product for twitter it's not twitter but it's built on their network it, it is a new product for twitter i mean or another way of thinking about it that i've heard people at twitter describe it as it is a dvr for twitter right like you know i mean we are weird in that we spend 18 hours a day staring at twitter most people might want to check it you know once a day tops and for those people there does need to be a way to say like here are the Twitter highlights, right? Here's Sports Center for Twitter, right? Where yeah. it's just like, here's kind of the cool stuff that happened today, mm. um, and and that's what they're trying to build. They're at a they're at 1.0. I suspect it will get better over time. Yeah. I suspect you'll start seeing um, more real real time stuff in there, like periscopes. I suspect you'll start seeing their new instant article format that they unveiled this week alongside Google. Like I think you'll see that in moments. Interesting as well. transition, Newton. Yeah, no, well, uh, <laughs> I gotta, yeah. I gotta go to the money zone before we transition to that. We gotta no, wrap, no, no, we gotta no. Yeah. We're we're gonna run long today. I can uh, feel okay. it. Yeah. Uh, talk about AMP. So, Whatever. Twitter yeah. moments. Are we, yeah, is there, we're not is there a final Twitter thought? Moments. Yeah. Um, you know. why, why? Okay. For new users, great. Give me a flat experience that gives me Sports Center for Twitter for mm-hmm. the day. Superb. Awesome. Love it. What about the people that already follow 800 people and understand Twitter? Then those right. those temporary Just event follows. It? No, then those temporary event following in that tab is actually really useful. Like I used it last night for American Horror Story because there was the premiere, mm, uh. and it was actually really enjoyable to have those tweets. I retweeted tweets that were from mm. the Moments tab because they like if you follow an event in the Moments tab, then the tweet shows up in your normal timeline with a little like lightning, lightning next to right. it. 
And that was awesome because I'm not going to follow all of these random people that follow yeah, yeah, American yeah. Horror Story. It was the first time I had actually really watched the show live. And it made me immediately feel like I was like watching it with people. It immediately oh. gave me access to that real time Twitter like thing that we all really enjoy and love and that most people kind of don't get access to. I think I figured out my problem is the Twitter moments. Yeah. I fundamentally am uncomfortable believing that Twitter can do something good with product. <laughs> Based on what they've done for like the past they've year. They've had a rough time. The, I, what I realized about like the reason that Twitter is my favorite thing to write about is because it was born broken and then it became... Like all of us. Um, uh, like all of us. <laughs> It, like Steve Jobs, it, ultimate transition. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, went, it was it was so broken, and yet it was useful in this way that nobody really expected. It. And so everyone started using it, and it just continued to be so broken. And we all had our ideas for how if they would just do X, Y, and Z, it would be perfect. And they could never quite do it. And they're sort of just always like ambling along in this state of like brokenness. And all yes, it is like yes. a metaphor for all of us. Like yeah. Twitter is us all. I mean, I want to stop the show. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what to do. Uh, no, but I can't make a better case for it than Kirsten did. Like what Kirsten described, like like Twitter is gonna. Ho it hopes that literally seven hundred million people have that same experience over the next couple of years. Maybe they will. I don't know. I just think a product that doesn't that doesn't tell you what Twitter like the power of the moments product is the network behind Twitter. Sure. Right. And so yeah, it's another cut a filter over the top of that network. But there's nothing about it that teaches its users what the other that the network I don't think exists. That, that Twitter's happy. It's to just have, a newsreader. Twitter's just happy headlines. to have 300 million users be the plumbing. You're the plumbing, right? Yeah. And the rest of it is for everybody else. And also, by the way, like all you have to do to see the rest of Twitter inside Moments is to tap on a tweet. Like tap on anything in Moments, and you and will see the action. They'll see the favorites, retweet, like follows yeah. a few more taps away. You want to be a power user? Like tap the ellipses. You can see like pretty much anything you can do on Twitter, and it's all available inside every tweet, inside every moment. Fine. Right? It's like you're uncomfortable admitting they did something good. Well, they did no, something good, but it's not for you. Good. That's the thing. They did something good, but it's not a power user. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, this is the argument I had on Twitter like all week. But I'm not a Twitter power user. Like, I don't use TweetDeck. I think it's too much. You are a Twitter you power user. You are a Twitter user. power user. No, I'm not. Sit yes, down. Sit I just down. some tweets. No. How many I'm tweeting right oh. now. God, you caught me. <laughs> How many people do you follow? Too many. You're I don't know what I'm doing on this place. Okay. I'm following 1,500 people. You think that's normal? No. That's not that makes normal. you a power user. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. How do you follow 1,500 people? I, in, with malice in my heart. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I angry follow everybody. It's, it's hard not to follow people, too. Like Following there's, you. There's, uh, well, it's hard not to follow people. It's definitely hard not to follow me. <laughs> at, at Casey Newton, by the way. Um, but, um, yeah. Fine. All right. Let's talk about AMP. Yeah, let's talk about AMP. So, um, one of the big trends in media this year has been the destruction of the internet. For those uh, of you listening somewhere, wherever you are, Casey basically just did jazz hands when he said media. <laughs> I'm trying to make this a more visual presentation Can over time. Can you turn the camera? Yeah. That? The future of media. 
Let's get that as a gift by the end of day, please, on my desk. Um, so uh, this all started with Facebook, uh, which noticed that um, lots of people like to read news on, inside yeah. the Facebook app. Uh, but when you tap on a link, uh, it takes uh, you know upwards of forty minutes to load. And so Facebook said, "What if we just like stripped out all of the uh, you know the the advertising and the ad trackers and everything else that goes into a, a web page these days, and just uh, preloaded it and prefetched it, and uh, and we'll cut some deals with the publishers so that they can actually that they can sell ads, yeah. et cetera, et cetera." And so Facebook launches this. And uh, many think pieces are written. They, uh, <laughs> but but it's like just transparently true that the articles do load really fast and they look really nice. And surprise, like people are tapping on them more because yeah. they load really fast. So if you're another platform on the internet, uh, you have to respond. And so we saw Apple respond with Apple News, which is a sort of similar product inside a news reading app. And this week. Uh, we saw a collection of companies come together, led by Google and Twitter, to show off something called AMP, which stands for Accelerated Mobile Pages. And um, it works not unlike what we've seen from Facebook and Apple, in that it's stripping out a lot of stuff that normally gets loaded when you load up uh, one of our pages or a page from another publisher. We're partners uh, in AMP. We should just admit it. And, yeah. we're, part and we're partners in AMP. Um, we're co-conspirators here. Uh, the difference is that this is an open source project, so you can go onto a GitHub repository and fork it or make any changes that you like to, and the idea is that over time, uh, this will become sort of the best and most popular way for publishers to display right. these instant article formats so on the web. So my understanding is, like, when it's all said and done, like, you can go to the page, a page and say, hey, yo, show me the AMP version instead of the regular version. Like, I will be able, as a user, to be able to, like, cl click on the AMP mode in my browser. Yeah, how does this work? Will I, will I see AMP when I search for it from the web, but not when I just is go it a directly? browser Thing? They right now they've released a uh, developer's technical preview, mm -hmm. so they are not answering all of those questions right now. If you want to check it out, you can go to, uh, I believe, on your mobile device, go to g.co/ampdemo, and just search for like news keywords such as um, you know Taylor Swift or like, you Microsoft search Surface. The you, you, search the you can just search the Verge. You can just search the Yeah, and yeah. Um, and you'll see some of these uh, formats loading and like kind of a pretty carousel, and that'll at least show you what the reading experience is like. Now, is this something that eventually gets added to the browser? or how do readers find these articles, that's still to be determined. I think the assumption is that, you know, eventually publishers like ours will just sort of upload everything in a, in a format that is able to be interpreted by AMP and so that if you're on your Android phone and you search for a news story, like Google will find the amplified version of it and show right. that in search results. But So I mm. we have a little bit of color, obviously, because we're partnering. So I'll probably get this wrong because I'm not, like, building this stuff. But the goal for us as a publisher is... We have a platform called Chorus. Casey wakes up every morning, types into Chorus, and publishes this thing into our system. And our system will then publish to it, not only our website, but instant articles. Uh, it will publish an AMP version. Yep. The AMP version will get cached through Google. Because that's the big piece of this that I think Casey didn't, you didn't yeah. talk about. Google's going to help you cache AMP. So whose servers do they live on? It's, it's so open. You, they it's have open. their own, but they're letting other people cache it. Right. Okay. So the, the, the incentive is give it to us and we'll do it for you. Okay. And presumably boost you in search results. Mm. Right? Everyone's, but every, they must be saying they're not going to do that, though, right? Why would they say that? They're saying that they're not going to boost AMP over the like, I think I read somewhere that like Google says that they won't pref give preferential treatment to AMP stories. But it turns out that pages that load faster get preferential treatment. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. It's the same game that, fa that Facebook played with, like, well, we're not saying we're going to privilege instant articles, but if, yeah. like, ten times more people click on them, that will have a benefit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, the thing about AMP to me, and, again, 
this is uh, very difficult for us to talk about across the board, right? Like Vox is going to start publishing Facebook Instant articles. Vox is going to we're in Apple News. And by the way, follow us in Apple News. Uh, and you know everywhere else. And everywhere else, um, uh, we are partners in AMP. Like we, you know, we work for Modern Media Company. The Modern Media Company has lots of people who think about partner platforms. Uh, the whole metaphor for um, our company is not just about you know our website, but it's media brands that go everywhere. Like all this stuff. So it's hard for us to be like critical of these. Like I'm just transparently telling you, right? Like. We're partners in these products. We want to be there. That's the future of publishing. We're going to be there. So we're participating in the ecosystem. At the same time, we have to critique them as products. And the thing that gets me about AMP is that the whole point of responsive web design was to get away from a desktop web and a mobile web and to not have m.theverge.com, a website that was crappier than theverge.com. And AMP is just like, you know what? We did such a bet. And Google is really complicit in the ad thing and the trackers and the slowness. They run the biggest ad network. Um, so it just seems like Google's like, you know what? We blew it. What if we cut the web down to size and don't let you use JavaScript and we'll find a new way? And it's like we're just resetting the web to yes. ba- like backwards. Absolutely. And I, and I just kind of don't understand. Yeah, like, like whatever the thing is, there's going to be like an extension on Chrome and Safari. That'll be like turn on the AMP switch, mm-hmm. whatever else. And then people are just going to browse the web with AMP, and we're going to have to like rebuild using the tools that are available on AMP to like actually give people the full experience that we want. Yep. Yeah. This. So this is the question that I asked yesterday at the event. Was like, couldn't you get like ninety five percent of the benefits just by not loading so much crap in people's browsers, like when they're loading up your web pages? And then that's when they like patted themselves on the back about the magic of pre caching and pre fetching, like for mm. ten minutes. But absolutely, this is just resetting us to a point before we, you know ruin the web with lots of like slow trackers and beacons and, and stuff, you know, trackers and beacons, which also like help pay our salaries. Right. So right. like we couldn't be more conflicted about any of this. Um, but that's why it's like good to talk about. Right. I mean, it, it's just, you watch everybody, you I mean, Facebook's doing it too. It's like everyone's just rebuilding the web, right? Like what yeah. if, what if the, the web sucks? Like we're done with this. It's too crappy. The ads are tracking you. Like Apple's like, what if we build the web inside this, this garbage app? And Facebook is like, well, we can build the web too. And then Google's like, what if we build the web again on the web? (laughs) And it's just, it's bonkers to me. And I get it. And like, I think AMP of all of the things is the one that feels the safest to me Mm -hmm. because Google's making such a big deal about how it's open and it's not proprietary. And like, that's the spirit of the web that I literally built our careers. Yep. Um, So I'm partial to it. I mean, like, there's an element to this. Like, if people listen to this, almost certainly know, like, we fought, we were activists with net neutrality. And I care passionately about that subject. There's a piece of this where the reason that we cared so much about net neutrality was because of the democratizing effect of the internet. And you watch the walls go up on these media platforms, and you're like, wait, that's not... I didn't fight for you, so... Fuck. Like, yeah. it's bad. Um, and so, like, my... Every, like, alarm bells are going off around all of this stuff because it's, it's, it's all like, what if we compress the web into some other box so you can take it other places. But like for any of these one platforms to like have a severe impact on the internet, wouldn't like we all have to start using them like a vast majority of us. And is that really likely? I mean, look, if yeah. so we run according the, to the Twitter responses to my, do you use Apple news question? Today? Oh yeah. Nobody no, uses Apple, Apple news is hot <laughs> garbage. Like they should be ashamed. Um, and I mean that seriously. And 
for the number of people on the show today that I've said should be ashamed, I feel bad for you. But um, the, the Microsoft guy, like, get rid of your hat. Apple News team, just, like, reconsider your lives. Um, whatever's next. I feel bad. Um, but, no, like, Apple News is, like, not a good experience, right? And what's particularly funny to me about Apple News is that it has a web browser in it. So if you click on a link in an Apple News Story, it just, like, opens another web browser. And it's like, oh, you, you didn't even... Even if it's a link to another Verge story, it'll just open a Verge web view, which is bonkers. Yeah. Um, but it, I don't think it's about that so much. It's not about, like, are they going to eat the browser, the Internet? It's if you are – like, we're – the Verge is enormous. Like, it has so many readers. It come, the traffic is from so many sources. Um, it, it's just, like, it's too big for any of these things to, like, really hit us. But – Facebook for many sites is like 80% of their traffic. So Facebook decides like you have to do instant articles or we're taking your traffic away. Facebook has an enormous amount of leverage over you. If Apple decides, um, Hey, Apple blogs, like we'll pay you more if you just stop publishing on the web and come into Apple news where people who love Apple are going to read you, they can pull that off. And I, that's the, the piece of this that like scares me. It's like, there's an incentive to create silos. There's an incentive to build walls and say, we can build a better experience for the people we have leverage over because we can do a better job of building audiences for you here. And I just don't want that to happen. I think the fact that we now have like three major players who are all building their own versions like is at least somewhat heartening. Even if we don't like the trend, there at least now is a balance of power, right? Yeah. And I think also that generally these platforms don't really have a great understanding of editorial businesses and they don't really want to. And so they're going to try to keep those platforms like relatively mm. But that, But, I, but that's, I think that's why Apple News is bad. Yeah. Right? Like, um, I think they want to have an understanding. Like, I, just I think, think that's I, what uh, like, Twitter definitely I, does. I think they, they, they want to they understand it, but they don't want to be like media titans you know i think they want attention on their platform and they want to sell hardware and software do you think that like twitter wants to influence the next election yes. like in favor of a particular candidate yes. okay wait and, really? do you, and do you think they would manipulate the platform to make that happen uh i think that they would not be sad if it turned out that a decision they made happened to manipulate the platform hmm. in that way well i mean this is really like a, a fascinating the platform in that way yeah this is a this is a fascinating question because certainly they will they now have more leverage over the media than tech platforms really have had before. Yeah. Unless you want to like go back in time and tell me that printing presses were tech platforms and it somehow they were. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Coming next week. Softlayer. Softlayer. <laughs> All right. Do the softlayer. Softlayer. Did you know that Softlayer delivers a cloud built Speaking for Speaking of news in the cloud. Yeah. <laughs> Your business applications and computational workloads are unique, and so you deserve cloud resources that meet your specific needs. And SoftLayer, it turns out, is the only cloud provider that provisions dedicated servers and virtual servers, otherwise known as public cloud, into a single seamless platform. It's all on demand. It's all connected to the same open API. It's all connected to a global private network, and it allows you to scale your workloads up and down super quick, and you can have ample space for all your storage-intensive tasks. So SoftLayer is actually an IBM company. In fact, IBM uses SoftLayer as its cloud infrastructure foundation for all IBM cloud products and services. So even if you're not looking for infrastructure, you can still benefit from SoftLayer infrastructure when you use a platform or software service for IBM Cloud. So here's the story. 
All of our listeners have the opportunity to get 500 bucks of cloud infrastructure by visiting softlayer.com slash podcast. It's podcast with a capital P. Maybe the lowercase p will work. You should try it. Softlayer.com slash podcast. You can order bare metal servers there, virtual servers, storage, networking, security services, all from your choice of data center. They have 24 of them all around the world, and all those servers and services are connected to SoftLayer's unique network of networks, which separates public, private, and management traffic. It all ensures that traffic to and from your cloud infrastructure travels more efficiently. So, again, visit SoftLayer.com slash podcast to get started with 500 bucks off server storage, network, or security on the cloud built for innovation from SoftLayer. I got to say my chaotic ones are like... I feel like they're better. Not better. They're just more fun. It's like, what's going to happen? <laughs> what is going to happen? What is this drunk idiot going to say about the cloud? <laughs> I'm sorry, Dieter. No, it was, it was we're all going to, we're all going to podcast ads. Let's talk about them. All right. So we're at an hour, but I actually want to do 10 minutes on the Steve Jobs movie. Let's do it. This all is right. going to be a little bit of a spoiler zone, mm-hmm. but the yeah. movie comes out tomorrow. Super spoiler zone. And I kind of think I'm that going to talk about the very last scene, actually. <laughs> it's a good last scene. Uh, but we all saw it last night. We did. I interviewed Sorkin and, and Danny Boyle on stage. And I don't know. We, we've been kind of like talking about it all day. Like, I literally walked up to Dieter this morning, and he didn't say hello. He didn't transition. He just continued saying his thought about the movie <laughs> that's where we're at which so, i'm writing for sunday so i'm not going to spoil it all right don't spoil that thought um why am i pointing at you so i'm gonna so we're just gonna do a few minutes on steve jobs movie. we don't want to point at each other uh so steve jobs movie yes. is out um we did a review call me did a review i have this theory that i've been working out um yes yeah, it's, it's so dumb but let's let's go for it uh that it's basically a Batman movie mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that Steve Jobs talks like this. Yeah, it's very so disturbing, time. actually. And the, when he fires the battering, it was. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, no, it's um, like there have been many Batman movies, many Batman franchises, many Batman comic books. And in one sense, they have nothing to do with each other. Right. Like the 60s Batman and the Christopher Nolan Batman are not at all the same thing literally the nothing to do with each other except for the tropes right the 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 elements of myth that connect the two tales right so like you know batman's parents are dead you know he fights crime you know he wears a mask you know he has a car i don't know he's got a cave he's got a cave he has a butler it's all these pieces of a story and you can assemble them those pieces in any story and call that story batman and it's that's this movie where you know that Steve Jobs, it literally demands that you know some stuff about Steve Jobs and no more. So you know that Steve Jobs uh, was at Apple. You know that he invented the iPhone. You know that he is dead. This movie demands to have the emotional impact of this movie, you have to know that he's dead. Uh, and it is very emotional because at the end you're like, ah, I wish he wasn't dead. Um, but it has nothing to do with reality. It's, it's the elements of Steve Jobs' life remixed to tell an Aaron Sorkin movie. And Aaron it's a Sorkin great play, movie. and an Aaron Sorkin stage play adapted for the screen. And that's the, the most important thing to, I think, well, maybe not the most, but for me it was the most important thing, was hearing uh, Sorkin tell you last night, Neil, that he always defaults toward writing plays. Yeah. He likes um, things that take place in confined spaces where there's a ticking clock. Yeah. And this movie is like three confined spaces and three ticking clocks. Yeah. And anyway. The, yeah. 
But it has nothing to do with reality. No. And he, I'll, I'll, I'm just going to spoil the second spoil. act because it drove me. It continues to drive me crazy. Uh, sorry, Kirsten. It's okay. I know. Uh, but <laughs> Just sitting here quietly getting spoiled. It's no, fine. it's not, yeah. it's not, it's not going to be that bad. Because the movie is not about the story. The movie yeah, is about this experience. It's a biopic. But it's not. It's not a biopic. That's exactly what we're saying. It's a biopic. But, 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 but the second act, and I, I, anybody who's listening to this podcast is going to be just as mad about these inaccuracies as I am. Um, the movie ends with Jobs promising his daughter that he'll make the iPod, which is insanity. And the second act, oh, and, and telling Scully that he killed the Newton because he's going to make the iPod. Yeah. Fuck you. Like, that yeah. didn't happen. Um, but then the entire second act of the movie is about next. And like the conflict is that the computer doesn't work before he launches it. And the reveal, the solution in the conflict is, I know it doesn't work. This is a Trojan horse. And we're going to wait and see what Apple needs. Make that. And then I'm going to sell this company back to Apple and become the CEO. Yeah. And it's like, that shit didn't happen. Yeah. Like, what actually happened was he left Apple. He started Next. Next was a huge failure. He didn't know what to do. He spun his wheels for a while and then start, did Pixar. And that was a huge success that allowed him to just, like, I don't know, bumble along with Next until Apple was like, we're fucked, too. And he was like, I don't know. What about this? And then there was a bidding war and, like, a literally a technology bake-off between two companies like there's deep, deep history there. Is Pixar even in the movie? No. no. The first question I asked, How, uh, right? <laughs> the first what? question I asked Sorkin last night was, "You just made a movie about Steve Jobs. It does not include the words iPhone, Pixar, or cancer. Like they're not in the movie. It's not there. The movie ends. He walks on stage to introduce the iMac, which miraculously has already been reviewed. Which is crazy. Right. Like whatever." <laughs> fuck this movie. I'm so mad about it. Like these right. inaccuracies are, uh, they're crazy. And they're all in the service of telling us what he was a difficult man, but he was a genius, <laughs> which is every Steve jobs movie. And is like the least insightful thing that, that you could say about him. I have this theory that there won't be a good movie made about Steve jobs for 50 years. I think that we're actually still too early into the world of mobile to know what was truly important and meaningful about him. Um, just to make it super weird for a second, I've been thinking about this in the context of Hamilton, the musical. Uh, which, Have like, you seen I, it yet? I haven't seen it yet. All you do yet. is talk about why to see it. I, well, I, I ran out of days in New York, which, which right. happens. And also the tickets are like $350 on StubHub. But um, here you have, um, you know, 200 years after a man dies, uh, you know, this brilliant guy, Lin-Manuel uh, Miranda, is it? Uh, who just like went back and find out and, and, and was sort of like able to translate that story and figure out what was meaningful about it now and write it in this incredible, like beautiful and moving way. Right now, we're so early in the sort of like, you know, post-life Steve Jobs era that I don't think we've really had enough time to reflect. And so instead, all we can do is go back and imagine, what if this man had tried to resolve all of his most personal conflicts in the last 10 minutes before three product launches? <laughs> Which is insane! Yeah. It's literally insane. It's like, like, that's the last thing you're thinking about right before yes. you do a product launch. Like, yeah. no. It's just structurally guys, contrived and broken. It's magical. It's like magical realism. It's so, like... If I will say this. Like, you have to accept that like that's ridiculous. Yeah, so and that, like, it's just that's the structure he built for his story, and you accept that like it's dumb. 
It's yeah. like when you go watch I, I do not when you go watch it. a Baz Luhrmann film, do you really pissed off that like things are bombastic and crazy? But no, it's a Baz Luhrmann film. When you go watch an Aaron Sorkin film, you don't but get pissed like a off that there's style, an arbitrary Here's the problem, attached though. Here's the problem, though. Sorkin and, and Boyle, they don't stylize the movie. They, it's 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 like realism, right? Like if, yes, if they had done everything exactly. in like bright, crazy colors and there was like show tunes and tap dancing and know, it was man. just insane, then it would probably be a lot more interesting. Yeah, Instead, they've like presented this simulacrum of the truth and it's all just a castle of lies. <laughs> so Casey and I didn't like the movie. Not so much. How are my favorites? I, but I, other people actually, that we saw I last night loved it. I yeah. walked out of the movie and hated it. And today I like it. It's a, seriously, it's a good movie. Yeah. If you didn't have, that, that's it's so weird about it. It's, if there wasn't a real person named Steve Jobs, it would be like a fucking great movie. Mm, 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 what? Mm. If it if you didn't no, have whole, to the whole movie, if you didn't have to mm. reconcile this movie against the truth that we know, here's the thing: if, if there weren't, if, weren't a Steve, jo- there weren't really a Steve Jobs, like you just wouldn't accept his cruelty to his daughter. You would just yeah. be like, "This is like the most like unlikable person in the world. Who even cares about any of these like fake products that don't no, exist?" Yeah. Right? Aaron Sorkin actually revealed the key to the movie to you in your interview. What's that? That when he died, everybody loved him. And he's like, but nobody actually knew him. They knew the products. And so the key to the movie is like the product reveals that we never actually see. It's like he interacts with people through the things that he makes. And so every interaction we actually see him have with somebody is broken and dumb and annoying. And he's being a dick because he doesn't know how to do it. Because what he actually wants to do is just make a product for that person. That's why he tells his daughter, I'm going to put a thousand songs in your pocket. And like that horrible corny line. Because that is what he does. And yeah. so this is the ultimate spoiler. The last scene of the movie is his daughter's there. He walks out on stage. And then he turns around and starts walking back towards her as everything gets all hazy and beautiful. Right? I cried the first time I saw right. She Not thinks she's walking back to it her. Misty. His, he's, like, her daughter sees her dad walking back to her. And she's <laughs> like, oh, my God, we're about to have a moment. But he was never walking back to her. He was walking to go start his, present, his product presentation. He was walking back to the product. And so the whole movie is about the interaction of a culture to a guy through products and how that screwed his, up who he is and how he react, re- relates to the people around him. Right. Also, one of his products is money because he solves every problem yeah. by telling people he's going to pay them. Yeah. Um, it, ha- it just keeps happening over and over again. No, I'm with you. I, my favorite theory about the movie, and like literally is my favorite theory, uh, is Ross and TC retweeting <laughs> back and forth each other that you could watch this entire movie and John Scully could be a ghost and it would make per- – it actually makes more sense. Like there's a scene in the second act where like he walks into a hallway and sc- – and like it's oh, there's all these chairs stacked up. Oh yeah, and Scully's, Scully's just, just sitting there. there waiting for him. And he's like, "This is why you should get." Sick. And it's like, in what reality did you walk into this empty ass hallway and sit down and just wait patiently for Steve Jobs to show up to deliver this perfect line? It's like that. No. Although I will say that I interviewed John Scully recently, and I arrived uh, before he did, and I and went he was to, a ghost. No, but <laughs> you I stacked up all the chairs in the room. No, but I, I went to use the restroom, and when I came back to the conference room where we were meeting, he was sitting there with his wife and a dog. So there, I'm just saying, there's precedent for Scully turning up in unexpected ways. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, it may have been the most realistic anyway, thing I about think, the film to me. I, you know, it's it, it, huh. I think it's this movie is just undone by by reality in a way that like the social network was not undone by reality at every turn. 
That's right. Like you could like the social network was it was a very compelling story, and again was compelling because it was hewing roughly to an actual thing that happened, which was a lawsuit over who founded Facebook, and they totally uh, fictionalized a, a lot about Mark Zuckerberg and, and who he was as a person, but. I just I thought that movie like had a had a really great tension to it, and it had the thing that I like the most about Sorkin's work, which is that he actually writes uh, persuasive arguments for both characters. Like that's why his scenes are fun to watch, is because you know, and, and like if you watch the Ashton Kutcher uh, Jobs movie, Ugh, uh, it's just like it's just no jo- it's just Jobs being right in every scene, and like a bunch of people applauding because he was so right. It's, it's just like people losing arguments to Steve Jobs. Sorkin at least tries to balance out that interaction a little bit, and, and I thought he was particularly good at it in the social network where like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is not portrayed as a kingmaker. He's like a more complicated figure. And some people love him in that movie and other people think he's the villain, right? Like anyway, I don't know. Yeah. That's movie, man. Yeah. Uh, you should, uh, here's the thing. And it's, it's a weird piece of advice to give about a movie that like, I don't know, one and a half of us hate. Cause the other part of me is like, it's a good movie mm-hmm. and I like Sorkin and there's a lot of like witty dialogue. There is, there's some great lines in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so whatever. So you should, but so you should go see this movie in the same way that like, uh, I have these friends who refuse to read the Harry Potter books and I'm like, you ha- you just have to read them, but just get it over with because they're the fabric of the culture and yeah. you should just know what people are talking about. Yeah. That's this movie. Right. And this movie will be a frame in which we talk about Steve Jobs for a long time, but literally nothing about it is reality. Yeah. I I don't know. I wonder how much it's really like, because I, I do think it's true that like the social network, like made Mark Zuckerberg, just like an incredible, like superstar, right? Like a, like a just enormous celebrity. This movie, it's like jobs is already super famous. There's already a lot of like jobsy and lore out there. And like how much of our memory of Steve jobs is really going to like, you know, come down to a fictional memory of the next launch. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm like, I actually suspect it might not like penetrate into our consciousness as much as the social network did. Cause it's not as good as a movie. Hmm. Anyhow, okay. Fassbender was pretty though. Good looking man. I yeah. will say it's sexy Steve Jobs. It's like a real concept now yeah. because of this movie. And it's my <laughs> Halloween costume, man. <laughs> no, when, when he like was so cut. Yeah, in that first act, when he, there's a scene where he takes off his shirt, and it's just like Steve Jobs didn't look like that. <laughs> there's just no way Steve Jobs looked like that. Like Steve Jobs with an eight pack is basically like what Fassbender looks like. In this movie. All right, uh, Carson, are you ready to engage? Do you know? Are you, Have are you, you reached this point in your career? I mean, is our hype checker? Yeah, I can engage if you want. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna read. Wait, Dieter, you have to read the post roll. Well, that means that I'm gonna tell you that Braintree <laughs> wow. is supporting today's episode of the Vergecast. They give you a full stack payment solution. They support all kinds of payment types for your customers that they might want. They accept Android Pay, Apple Pay, PayPal, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and whatever else. And that means that you can accept them, too. Just give them your money. There's just a simple, single integration. It works across all different platforms, and there's superior fraud protection, customer service, and fast payouts. Just go to braintreepayments.com slash vergecast. Cool. All right, Kirsten, you get three. Kirsten, you get three. Three? Okay. Um, I'll say first you should definitely follow Snapchat because I run it and it's awesome and we're ramping up the amount of stuff we do on it. So it's The Real Verge on Snapchat. Follow us. The second one, you should follow our Twitter because we tweet out really awesome GIFs and videos and everything that's awesome on our site. So that's at Verge on Twitter. Um, I don't know. What else should we... Uh, I only have two. I've got two. Wow. That's crazy. Instagram. We're on like 15 different platforms. Yeah, I, I just picked one. There Tumblr. you go. I, do you know the handle for those exactly? Because I do not offhand. Bum, bum, bum. 
I don't know. Just type the virgin to shit. Follow us there. Here, follow. Do the iTunes. Follow, tell them about uh, how to do us on iTunes. That'll here's the thing. We have four podcasts now. Uh, the Vergecast, which is this one. Once you go on iTunes, review it. I would like to know what you think of Casey's haircut to this week. Yeah, which is being dramatically injured by these headphones. Yeah, but it's killing you. No. Uh, or, you know, go see the, the Jobs movie and let us know what you thought about that. Uh, you know, that's great. Um, control Alt Delete goes up on Thursdays before the show. Um, so you please listen to Control Alt Delete. Uh, Walt and I this week talked about ads. I actually really want to get him to review the Jobs movie for us because mm-hmm. he really used to Oh, Jobs you know he's well. going to have some strong feelings. Um, so I'm pushing to that. So maybe maybe give Walt a nudge because I, I think it would be really interesting to hear what Walt thinks about that. But Control Walt the Lead is a great show. Um, Virgie SP with Emily and Liz uh, and What's Tech with Chris Plant. Um, actually, and the What's Tech this week is great. It's phenomenal. Uh, we had the CEO of our company, Jim Bankoff, uh, go on and explain how ads on our site work and how we make money and all that sort of good stuff, which is awesome. Uh, all of that is at iTunes.com slash The Verge. Uh, you can also watch The Vergecast on YouTube if you just search for Vergecast. Uh, and then you can talk to all of us on Twitter. So I am Reckless. Casey's Casey Newton. Dieter is Backlon. Kirsten is Kirsten Fursina. You've got a... We gotta come up with a snappy way of giving people your Twitter. Right? I don't know. And it's we'll like, just it. try to spell it. Good luck. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Um... <laughs> And that's it. That was our show. Thank you so much for listening. Um, We'll be back next week. And something else will happen. (laughs) Rock and roll.